Also, might be a good sign that really fucking Gen Xers are the problem. Hi, welcome to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen. We watch it separately and Skype to discuss it. I am Ricardo Deacon. I am Orla McNeilis. And you're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. Happy Monday, folks. This week's movie was chosen by Orla. It Mm -hmm. is Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. Insert clip. Nobody ever heard of the Harlem Culture Festival. Nobody would believe it happened. Six weekends of major artists. The Panthers were the security and kids were sitting up on the trees. I was nervous. I didn't expect a crowd like that. Something very important was happening. It wasn't just about the music. 1969 was a change of era in the black community. The styles were changing. Music was changing. And revolution was coming together. We are a new people. We are a beautiful people. Over the course of six weeks during the summer of 1969, Thousands of people attend the Harlem Cultural Festival to celebrate black history, culture, music, and fashion. We wanted progress. We are black people and we should be proud of this. And we want our people, we want our people lifting us up. in what we felt in here. So when we went out, let's go. Let's go do it. So Orla, why did you pick The Summer of Soul? <sighs> I couldn't not pick it. I, I mean, Jesus. I After watching this, I... All I wanted to do was talk about it with like everybody I knew and all I wanted was for everybody I knew to have watched it, particularly during the summertime, because there's there's something extra special about watching this at the around the same time that the actual thing happened uh, in the in the year in the calendar. Um, Yeah, it's funny. uh, Two documentaries came out uh, in and around this summer um, about long forgotten music festivals. um, And both of these festivals were unique and also very emblematic of the time that they took place. And one was the Harlem Cultural Festival, and the other was Woodstock 99. Uh, One was joyous, radical, and the other was hateful, misguided, and ended in flames. Yeah, but the one that had Kid Rock? (laughs) The funny thing is, uh, (laughs) the films kind of follow a similar path. Uh... Do not watch Woodstock 99. It is not a good movie. Uh, I think the event itself and as a sort of moment in time is is very important. And I think we should think a lot about it because I think the more time goes on, you could draw a lot of direct lines backwards to things that happened in the late 90s or early 90s. But um, 
Yeah, it's very, ugh. but yeah, it's it's not a good film, but uh, someone one day will make a good film about that time. Uh, also, might be a good sign that really fucking Gen Xers are the problem. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, boomers. Uh, but yeah, so I actually watched both these films on the same day, uh, which was interesting. Uh, well, it's a result the second time, but then with this directly after it, so it was, yeah. So <laughs> I went in with very high expectations um after having i tried I, I listened to like one review of it on one of the the film podcasts i listened to and like they just you know talked about how amazing it was and then i tried to avoid other reviews because i was like i want to i wanted to go in also like not knowing as much about how many different artists were going to be there so that i could kind of have more of a fresh which i think is a good way to go into this because obviously like you kind of know that maybe like you know simone or whatever is going to be there but you want to have like the surprises like whenever they whatever like sly and the family stone appears and like you want to have the same feeling of having been there when the people come out on stage and uh <clears throat> like so so many films um are reliant on some combination of archive and interview um like obviously there are others there are films out there that are able to like do something different with archives say something like amy where you know it's like all archive and you never see the people and you know there there are ways you can be very creative with that but like uh trying to be creative with just like talking heads and like tape it's such a trope and <clears throat> there are films that have the richness of archive that this does that are not able to do something interesting with it. And I kind of point to so many Netflix documentaries. But, uh, like, they really bring it to life, not just in how, like, you know, amazingly shot the archive is. Like, it's, it's just incredible. But also how, like, it's woven in with these interviews of, like, people who are at it, uh, the musicians like organizers, activists. We were looking forward to a festival for some time. I was 19 in 1969, going to college. That's the summer we became free <laughs> of our parents. I lived in Harlem. I'm Madison at 135th. That festival was so close to home. It was only 10 blocks away. My three best friends and I, we can actually walk. We got there early. Boy, it was hot that day. And the sun was in my face. And it was exciting. We hadn't had anything like that in Harlem that I can recall. Welcome to the heart of Harlem, Soulsville, USA. This is Tony Lawrence and 50,000 beautiful people here in Mount Wise Park. And we're asking you to join us in a soul music festival. Now from Mississippi, ladies and gentlemen, the Chambers Brothers. I could watch fucking four more hours of this. Like genuinely, you you could you could sit down and like this could have been like people call this like a concert film or whatever, and like you could have just you know released this as like a, a four part DVD or something where you just have the whole thing and you know it's like uh, uh, watching Live Aid or whatever, you know what I mean? Where you just you have like you know 
set after set after set of a musician and you know you you have some a little bit of context around that but most of it is just like a straight concert film but I think the way that if you did that you wouldn't have the same impact that this film does this film feels like a real it feels like a an act, it feels like a film <laughs> if that makes sense as opposed to something like that you would just sort of put on on a Sunday evening when you wanted to listen to some good music which is something my dad would do a lot my dad has a lot of like concert films from like you know different things he has a lot of the like uh, uh Jules Holland DVDs and stuff where it's like all the best of Jules Holland and you, know, you sit down and you watch these great musicians and it's like oh it's such a great moment in time it's like a capsule or whatever but like this doesn't feel like you cracked open a capsule it feels like it's so alive. It's so like just the, the, the interviews of people, the shots of the audience. Like I, I genuinely think that uh, there should be an entire wing <clears throat> of like a publicly funded, freely accessible museum. Actually, no, well, fuck that. Maybe like, you know, the New York Public Library or something. There should be a wing of that that is just dedicated to this festival where you can go in, you can like, you know, watch all the stuff or whatever, but like, you know, having photographs of people who are there, like to be able to like explore everything that this says, both about like the time, but also like the neighborhood and like New York as a place, New York as a, as a place of neighborhoods where like, not so much anymore, but where you would have these enclaves where people were able to feel safe and like be themselves and, um, it's funny, actually, we watched another documentary recently, which uh, is fan-fucking-tastic, uh, which I think is actually a really good combination or uh, uh, comparison piece with this, which was the uh, the film about Sesame Street, uh, Street Gang, how we got to Sesame Street. It's just absolutely wonderful, like, interviews with all the, uh, how they got the thing commissioned, and how somehow they got, the, they gave them money to be able to make this, but how they talk a lot about the, the true desire with Sesame Street with from the very beginning was always that they would make something that would be accessible to inner city kids so kids that watch a lot of tv but they don't have a lot of like you know their parents have to work and the tv at the time was just like you know garbage there was nothing educational about it and that was always like whatever if the you know if the middle class and the upper middle class or whatever kids get to see it as well great but that was always their thing of being able to have like diversity within the cast and like you know setting it on an actual street as well so that it would be it would mirror the streets that the kids lived on and like just such a such a wonderful film um but i think they're they're comparable because that that uh film and sesame street in general says a lot about like the accessibility of culture as well and i think this film does as well that like like this just happened in the park and was just free like people could just walk in there was no you know <laughs> you didn't have to get a bus anywhere you didn't have to pay you could just go and like it happened you know over six weeks so if you missed one day maybe you couldn't go maybe you had to work you could go the next week it was like this incredibly open like mad thing that it you know they talk a lot about that about it. the idea of this even happening at all was like you know just people who basically just <laughs> you know like kind of hustled their way into it like it's so like the the organizer uh why did they describe him he was a hustler in the best sense he would make a promise about delivering something and then leverage that to be able to get other people to want to participate. It's all premised on half commitments that are dependent on another, you know, and it all ultimately, if you're persistent, you pull it all together. He knew how, to how the thing came to be at all is, is fascinating. And then the idea that they, for someone who filmed it, you know, like, 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I love even that the idea of like the Puerto Rican uh, community as well, and like this this idea of something that was so inclusive and so like in a time when uh, culture and like black culture and was was shifting as well, when people were the idea of the changing of the meaning of the word black and like all this like rich rich rich. Uh, like history and context and like oh man it's just it's so hmm, it's so rich um the shots of the the actual people in the audience as well and like just like hanging out all the kids like like oh my god and then like, the music jesus christ every, every another person just comes out you're like oh my god like for the time you get to nina simone I, I nearly fell off my chair like the idea that this existed in a basement, uh, and like, oh God, like I think you learn more about Nina Simone in like that one section than you ever did could in one of those like standard biopics, like of how important she was to people and her like her strength and how political she was. And in the whole world, you know, there's a million Uh, I do think that one of the strongest uh, parts of this when it starts to become very emotional watching it is uh, uh, watching the musicians watch themselves and then also like, you know, festival goers watching footage of it, like footage that they've never seen and, you know, they're able to give context and like, the you know, just little details of, of how like they were nervous or, you know, where they were in their career, if they were young and like it's, it's very like, you know, like real complex feelings about like race and religion and like their age and legacy and like uh the bit where um uh i can't remember his name is it musa the 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 festival gore um where he's like uh like, i'm not crazy and you can hear off cat you can hear off camera kind of like no you were you're not crazy and he's like this happened this really happened like oh my god like fuck I had so many goosebumps, like my arm was fucking hurt. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it's just, it's so powerful. Um, uh, just on a, on a side note, and then I'll, I'll shut up. Uh, the fucking, <laughs> the clothes. I know they say like, you know, oh, the, the fashion of the time, whatever. But like, Jesus Christ, you could write multi an entire PhD just on the clothes that people wear to this. It is like, oh my god! Every 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 shot, I was just like, fucking hell! Like, look at the clothes. It's such a like point in time. It, oh my god! Um, and like, yeah. Uh, also, another side note. This is very random, but uh, the 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 graphics are amazing. Of like all the opening titles and everything, they're all based around the actual uh, the stage design as well, which is this like you know bright bright block colors, like very very sixties. And like, it's just, it's perfect. Everything about this is perfect. Um, I, I really, really love this film. And uh, I think people who have no, come to it with no context will will leave uh, sort of having a better understanding. I think of like that, that point in time, probably better than having watched like, you know, Woodstock or whatever. And like, you know, we could talk about Woodstock or comparisons and <laughs> Woodstock 99. Uh, but yeah, without further ado, 
Uh, Ricardo, what did you think of Summer of Soul? Not enough Kid Rock. <laughs> That's what I always say. It's just in daily life. Yeah, like uh, when it comes to this movie, uh, uh, obviously it's, uh, as you said, that is like festivals themselves are interesting things, especially because mm. uh, the first one, whenever you're organizing it, you don't know if it's well done. And like, there's no way of knowing if it's going to work out. As in like, <laughs> um, I went to the first all together now uh, a few years back. And it was this kind of thing. Is that the one in Waterford? Yeah, the one in Waterford, yeah. And I think it was one of these things that they... What they did was... um, It was lovely as a festival uh, because they didn't... They undersold tickets because they didn't know Ah. that you could hold as many people as they did on the grounds. So it didn't feel uh, as crowded as other festivals and like the different zones of the festival were quite separate. So it was quite nice to to have that. And then the year later, they decided to almost double the capacity because they realized that they were able to hold the people, but not Mm -hmm. realizing that double the traffic they wouldn't be able to hold. So there were like people that got into the festival grounds like at 11 o'clock at night or something and they had left dublin something like oh. 10 in the morning or something <laughs> and the, just the thought of pitching a tent in the rain when it's already dark and you're like pissed off because oh. <laughs> so th- there's th- that uh kind of thing that it's always uh, there that you don't know if there's enough facilities if everything like there's sometimes like woodstock 99 that they pretty much knew from the beginning that it was going to get <laughs> fucked. But even when you, you've done the best of your ability to to have it in a, a certain degree of organization before the day opens, it's much like in warfare, like plans go out the window whenever <laughs> you make contact because... Like people do things that you can never plan for, especially when you have that many people coming back to this movie. The I have to say that obviously like the uh, line out for the musicians is incredible. Like the quality of the music is majestic. There's yeah, in that sense, uh, be there's no argument for it. The performances are very lively but also you can tell that everyone was really um committed there's nobody like um phoning in Phone a, pre- in. a performance <laughs> they, they they're there to impress let's say and also they're like the crowd seems very uh, receptive to that energy as well in the like most good concerts is uh, there's a dialogue between the performer and the audience and uh as the performer goes along the dialogue shifts let's say and i think uh, the movie captures that very very well and i really like how it contextualizes both uh, the historical context of the of the festival itself and how it was done and created is uh, as much uh, a movie depicting the festival but also mm. a a retelling on how it became to be 
and it also contextualizes the you know like live aid for example uh, uh, because it's something that was seen by so many people whenever it came out and there's it's been in the public sphere for so long that there's there's always been like the stories of what happened you know uh, how this band didn't because there was no sound checks this band didn't play well because the the sound was yeah. crap this is it. like queen was the best of the night this happened that happened blah 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 you know there's mm. so much mythology <clears throat> that has grown by that whenever you watch live aid now uh, you're able to contextualize what uh, what was happening like what stage of the the their careers they were at you know like uh, this band reformed just for live aid stuff like that um to a lesser degree, it's also the case with Live 8, the, the follow-up. <laughs> yeah, thing. I remember but, watching that Green Day play and I was very excited. <laughs> but when it, like this movie does a good job of contextualizing where in, at what stage each performer was in their career as well. Mm. So you know if it was like this is the biggest gig that they played or something that they were like used to, to go in, like... They contextualize even like really well, like Sly in the Family Stone. That is like you don't even know if he's gonna show up, but when he shows up, he <laughs> fucking shows up. And they all knew it as well. So they were like, "Oh, he'll get here when he gets here." <laughs> the energy was indescribable, more than excitement. I have to say, this lie is the coolest man that has ever walked the, oh the face God. of this earth. Um, I know. Like, I think at the same time, the um, l- let me put it this way. The, obviously, there is no criticism in the sense of how enjoyable the movie was. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it was really fun to watch. The performances are amazing. It's like... It's informative, it's uh, political, it's entertaining, it's emotional, it's everything that you want in a movie. So in that oh, sense... Oh, there's a, a giant butt coming. No, it's not even like a, 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 a giant <laughs> butt. But let's say that it's like a small little butt, butt. Little butt. You know, like uh, not quite a Latin butt. It's like... Um, <laughs> it's... Um, it's my tiny Irish bum. <laughs> I think that the the film loses a small opportunity, I think, um, because of the structure of the piece. I think that it it, it decides to almost portray the, the concert festival as if it was Woodstock, like the original Woodstock, not 99, as if it was like one weekend of music. One day, yeah. yeah. And I think that part of what made that festival interesting is that it was like the returning kind of crowds how it wasn't just one day that they kept it together it was like week after week after week because obviously if the organization was very bad the first day it wouldn't like go back the next day kind of thing you know and even the for Mm. the 
for the audience members that for the, the no wonder they felt like even more attached to this festival because it would be something that was recurring something that was part was for whole, the life for literally a whole summer like realistically like exactly so like it'd be way more ingrained into your like personal history of that summer than going to one like one weekend long festival yeah uh and became part of harlem in a way for that summer the uh and it's a pity in a way that it only happened that summer as far as i know like at least on that scale but mm. um, i think it misses the opportunity not to explore that as as much and and then obviously because the, the, it is a movie they're presenting kind of like building up the ramping up the the acts as you go along to try to make you feel like you're in this kind of concert scenario mm. but i think that the, what it misses out is that most of the acts only get one song i think that i wouldn't have minded if the film was longer to have like two or three songs per per act let's say yeah because sometimes it, like, know, especially yeah. when you're like in a festival set that you you kind of build up to that last song that you're playing let's say and especially like, you don't get that with just the one yeah because it'll be like the the I, th I think that sly gets more than one and nina gets more than one song but that they're the only two mm. and mavis uh plays two but like uh, they're like one with her group and the yeah. other one that is kind of oh god oh god i forgot about the fucking the martin luther king favorite song as well jesus uh <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I totally get what you mean. I remember thinking that as I, as I was watching it, uh, of, cause I, you know, obviously, you know, you're, you're made aware that this is a thing over like six weeks or whatever, but, um, I think I, it didn't, it's sort of, as I was thinking about it afterwards, I, I sort of, it didn't really bother me, but, um, I think in, or, in order to make it longer, it needed to be a lot longer, I think, because it, it the way that they've chosen like the certain songs and where they are, like the, the film itself works because it has such a rhythm between how it moves between the different acts, but also how within each act they tackle a different topic and, and everything. And, you know, the music and the, it all kind of feeds off each other. Um, and I think that in order to have had, you know, like more songs, it wouldn't have just, you couldn't have kept quite the same structure maybe. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like I would have no problem with this being, you know, like a, a series or, or something or, or maybe not a series but like just a longer a longer film um because obviously like <laughs> the material was there you know what i mean like it's not um but i do i think that the way that they're able to to keep the um to keep the the rhythm of uh the film and, and, and making it feel like it has a narrative i think I, it, it makes i i feel like maybe they had versions where they they have sort of like yo you know week two or you know week three you know or whatever where I think you would have lost momentum somewhat maybe of having to have like the rise and fall of each day and stuff and um, so I think the the way they've chosen to to put it together um, I understand why they did it but at the same time I know what you mean because 
that is such an integral part of it that it did go on for for six weeks and 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 what acts were on each thing and you know did people go to every single week or not or you know that kind of uh, say like the first week where you're like you know oh whoa fuck that that actually went really well maybe you didn't go the first week because you're like what the hell is this you know oh i don't know like that won't happen and then like everyone you know went and they're all telling you about it and you're like holy fuck i gotta go next week you know that kind of thing um it's just like more more (laughs) Just make more. <laughs> yeah, like, and I think also that there is, uh, like, they say, oh, yeah, uh, you're there, like, with 300,000 people, whatever, but, like, it's, I think there was a combined attendance, not for, like, yeah. one day kind of thing. And uh, I read it. Again, it comes from Wikipedia, so it might be inaccurate. But <laughs> uh, that the... NBC affiliate in New York actually broadcast a one hour long uh, like special episodes every night during the festival that like the gigs were on and I don't think that like uh, the movie presents us as like nobody gave a shit like nobody wanted to broadcast anything or you know like uh, you watch the movie and uh, there's this impression that it happened and then Mm. like the outside world okay i get it that they didn't want to release it as a documentary or as a concert film from the footage that ends up in this movie let's say but it's not like that it didn't have any airplay altogether perhaps not the the same well that makes sense considering that they they kept filming it you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it wasn't just like they, fil- you know, like there's like four cameras there. You know what I mean? Like they, they, and they film it as well. It's not just like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's very well done. There's a lot of, there's a lot of content, let's say. And like, would you have continued doing that? You know, if over six weeks. And it's film like, as well. Paying, it's not even magnetic your... tape. It's like, that's why it looks so good yeah, because like... they've been able to restore it. Like, yeah, and how it's sitting in a basement. It's <laughs> it's the great thing about film. <laughs> Even a moldy, moldy basement, <laughs> you can bring film back to life. And it's uh, it's great also the the way that like he goes, oh yeah, we had to put the stage this way because we couldn't afford lights, so I needed like the sun to light the set. I forgot about that. I was like, that is such a fantastic fucking detail. Like there are so many small things that like just add so much to this of just like this little thing that someone just says in an interview and you're like that gives so much context for like just everything about it and oh i like the stage it's just so good i love it it was quite interesting also seeing like a half decent republican politician i was like uh, what is this fuck that's like the craziest thing because you think where they're like you know they're like interviewing people and they're like you know oh what do you think about the moon landing and they're like i live in harlow i don't give a fuck about the moon landing that's like fair but like you know like oh like oh that's so surprising that people didn't care about it but like that the the fucking republican the the, like (laughs) liberal republican and like you know the original meanings of those words it's like wow who the fuck and it's like oh he was just like bobby it's like what (laughs) oh my god in a sense, like uh, the the movie does a good job of showing that even in the darkest times, there are like uh, rays of light that does mm. shine through the the canopy of shit. But uh, <laughs> and we're getting there. Like I felt kind of hopeful to like in a way of uh, yeah. even like I do think that there's like um, 
a lack of description of what the Black Panther Party really is because most people remember <laughs> them as the version that it is in fucking Forrest Gump or something that they think that they're like a terrorist <laughs> group or something rather than just like a group of lads that just fucking used as a political organization like, you know, Young Fina Gale. <laughs> It's like, oh, yeah, but they had guns. And it's like, yeah, it's America. It's legal to have guns and open carry and buy rifles and shit. So, like, like I think that the looking, I looked at the the way that the festival was organized in the sense of, like, at what point each gig was. From what I can tell, like, they showed a bit of every single concert, like, every act that was involved and the festival gets oh. at least uh, mm-hmm. one song kind of thing. I did wonder. But um, it looks like it didn't... Like, you know, for example, if I look at the thing here, this seems to be like six... There was six concerts. So you have like the... The Stevie Wonder episode uh, uh, concert was headlined by Stevie Wonder, but then you had like Gladys Knight and the Pips and the Loop Park dancers were... In that gig, let's say. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, there's um, what you call it. Um, the way that it builds up is obviously not in the order that the the gigs took the place. Actual, let's yeah. say, um, which I find this interesting. Not like this is not a criticism. It's just that, like, you're actually. Um, using time almost as if it's plasticine like they created a concert that never existed you know what i mean yeah they like curated it yeah yeah actually that's that's i didn't wonder about that actually well first of all everybody everybody was included but also like the the order because it's interesting that like obviously you know if you have like three acts and they all play like three songs or whatever like you know that's a pretty long concert but it's not like you know, you, you never, there's no real like evening or night shots in this. It all seemed to have taken place kind of in the afternoon or, uh, which obviously, obviously there's like loads of kids there as well, but, um, uh, which kind of, it makes it more, uh, and I don't know, just like, it's interesting that it's, they were like festivals, but they were like these little mini, like if it had all been over one weekend, it would have been a very different vibe as opposed to like, you know, going down, seeing a few acts and then going home kind of thing. Um, which is probably what made it like, because you're kind of like dipping in and out of the, that atmosphere, as opposed to like we were saying about like in festivals, when you go, when you're kind of locked in, you're, you know, often far away from the city, you're in this sort of locked in this environment. Um, and like, sometimes that's great. Like when you go to electric picnic, it's very like, you know, you get all, you get all into it. It's, it's lovely. You know, it's, it's a very nice vibe. Um, you know, and then sometimes it's with stock 99. (laughs) I was reading that the, there was a 50th year um, anniversary festival uh, in 2019. I'm surprised that doesn't get a oh. mention. Like, obviously, the line-out, is that the correct? Line-up? The line-up, yeah. The line-up of... line Yeah, like fucking rugby or something. <laughs> rugby. Oh, yes. ruggers. Um, that the lineup is not as glittering as this one was, uh, but mm. maybe it was full of like major celebrities, and I'm just not with it in modern music, really. Like, um, um, oh, that's yeah. If you're anything, if you're anything like me, that's definitely <laughs> that would be my issue, also. 
<laughs> as in like they they might be amazing but uh, like people like Billie Eilish is like I know how she looks like great music don't know They're like believe the hype Billie Eilish is like fucking class <laughs> and then be like, even like Lordy and all those like Lord not <laughs> Lordy <laughs> see like I'm a fucking dinosaur when it comes to music <laughs> sorry <laughs> Lordy just makes me like a fucking uh do you remember that Icelandic band that like sort of they weren't even like heavy metal they were almost like what were they that won Eurovision in like 2010 or something Like, until that fucking Will Ferrell movie came out, like, my boss was like, I didn't, like, like I don't understand it. I was like, it's this very European thing. And <laughs> imagine the campus thing imaginable and then multiply that by 100. It, it kills me also that, like, the, the winner has to host it the next year. It's such a, like, poisoned apple. No wonder Ireland has been, like, fucking tanking it every year since the 90s oh since the heyday but yeah uh coming back to the movie what's your favorite Sorry. thing oh about God. the movie we have come <laughs> uh my favorite thing is um definitely the moments when the people watch themselves or watch clips of it uh i think those moments in particular are just it like when you describe it that sounds so like you know oh you're watching someone watching a screen it's like you know like just kind of it seems so obvious or something but the way it's deployed in this movie is very uh, yeah and then just that moment where the guy's just like fuck this was real it's like this finally i have this confirmation of this thing in my childhood it's like oh yeah it, it really it got me it got me in the gut uh what about you what was your favorite thing yeah i i agree with you but uh, i um i be more specific and less specific at the same time uh, my favorite thing about the movie is that it is a movie that is not afraid to be sappy and emotional and stuff and i think that there are, you know mm. a lot of movies about stuff like this is like oh we have to be serious because this is a serious thing that happened and like it mm. mattered it mattered and we were going to deal with it with like in a cold fucking like highlighting how good it was etc but it's like academically great you know like the yeah this was great music and then it did this to the to the community and this that the other blah 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 but like this movie is able to do that but also highlight the fact that the main objective of the of the concerts were to give people good time mm. and there's the the argument that uh going back to covid that one of the reasons why time felt so um almost like gelatin uh whenever we were in lockdown in the sense that on the day-to-day -day basis, it felt like the days were interminably long. But then when you accrued them one after the other, it just felt like the time had just slipped through your fingers. And it was just because there was nowhere... Well, 
the argument is that there is nothing to mark time. You weren't planning two weeks ahead going like, oh, I'm going to have dinner with these people. I'm going to go here for this person's birthday. You weren't like creating new memories. So it just felt like one complete um, blob of time. Same as like, you know, sometimes Monday to Friday is most of your time, but there's like weeks that you don't do anything after work or whatever. And it just feels like when you look back, you remember the weekends, but you don't remember what happened during the week or whatever, you know? And Mm. I think that the movie is able to capture that. uh, It's how like it became uh, a very big uh, punctuation like an exclamation mark for these people's lives. Like this was the summer that this happened much like I suppose for like hippies, the summer of love, quote unquote, and stuff like that. Mm. That like the, when you're part of a, a cultural phenomenon, let's say in your, you have this shared experience. It's, it becomes part of who you are. And even the way the, I think because they tackled the the show in that way, uh, sorry, the concerts in that way, that I almost developed memories from it, even though I I wasn't there. I was just watching the movie. Like, I can almost smell the food whenever they're talking to those, like, people just, like... You feel, yeah, you feel like you're in the crowd, like, just sort of hanging out and, like... it's There's just... There's so many close-up shots of people's faces as well. And, like, they're just... you can feel the atmosphere. It's it's amazing, palpable. It's yeah. There's something very the fact that it it you know this was summer and how there's something about summers I think within your life as well that they they have a certain kind of quality to them of like this was the summer you know of like of yeah I I don't know what that is about like because there's just, like a, it is a way of like marking time between like whenever you're a child it's the it's the break between school and i'm like in my brain i still think of years in that sense that like there's the summer and then september you start school again like my head's still built in that way of like summer is this thing between things where like you know your life can change or you can meet somebody or it's like this sort of magic thing of like an island of time or something i don't know what's your least favorite thing um jesus i uh that it wasn't longer but at the same time I, I did love what it was as well um I yeah it made me sad also I think for I don't even know why because like this wasn't a point in my life like I was not alive like yeah I don't know it's like there's something about like the pain of nostalgia or something of like the time gone and yeah oh i don't know like i get something sometimes whenever like watching or reading about stuff of that that era uh worldwide because i think it was not just in america that like the 60s there was this shift uh, uh, away from the, the idea of conservatism like the uh, mm. like the traditional idea of conservatism that is like maintaining the status quo that there's actual uh there was actual calls for change worldwide both like in a political sense but also in a cultural sense that opened doors for women 
gays, people of different races and cultures and stuff to be more accepting as a people. And mm. I think that it is very bittersweet in a way because um, you watch uh, things like this that is like at the the at the at the end of that period of change when nothing like it's almost like you move the ball like a yard down the the field and that was it like it it's still there in the same position yeah and nixon's already nixon's already there <laughs> it's like the <laughs> yeah and, and there's like so much in there that is like even whenever reverend jesse jackson is speaking in this documentary that you're that there he he's talking from a position of like pain and suffering of somebody that has gone through a lot but like there's mm. this sense of hope still that is like yeah but we're getting there but now like looking back of it it's kind of we never got anywhere like the illusion of getting somewhere exists let's say and then like like most things individually and in pla certain different places uh, different issues different whatever but as in, as a people let's say we we were looking at you see like even whenever talking about moon landing it's like it felt like technology itself was also like infinite that we could just mm. like keep improving our lives using technology and then now it's kind of yeah like we fucking we tried to do that it didn't fucking work <laughs> it made everything worse uh, what's your least favorite thing like i think like you said that i think the if the show was if the movie was longer it had to be much longer because otherwise it'd be messing up with the pacing that is already established mm. there um so like not necessarily that it'd be longer i almost wish that it was like a companion piece that it'd be like just documenting like an actual document of the concert much like whenever mm. you watch, uh, maybe they'll do that. Yeah, because now like that as this a, has been so, you know, like a double DVD or something. Yeah, like something that is just sitting there that you can watch the movie whenever you're feeling like you're you're saying that this is a movie, and then whenever you just want to listen to the music, you can put it in the background and it's just a document. Uh, much like watching Live Aid or Live Eight nowadays, mm. the whenever you get it there's no fucking talking heads like not even the band but then uh, <laughs> they just have that really depressing documentary in the middle of it where like bob geldell comes out and is like ah god living bob geldell jesus um <laughs> uh yeah so that was summer of soul <laughs> go watch it uh it's it's wonderful if you have any interest in fuck i don't know being alive you'll like it yeah <laughs> even if you don't know or like any of these acts if you don't really you know if like you're, you're, like stevie wonder i mean you're gonna like something it's uh it's wonderful uh yeah so uh if they want to go back and listen to us being young and full of promise and joy and only only mildly cynical and depressed. Where can they find us, Ricardo? You can find us at the Rec Game on Twitter, the Recommendation Game on Facebook. The email is the Recommendation Game at gmail.com. Our back episodes are on your podcaster of choice, Spotify, blah blah blah. Uh, we are 
on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud and on Which every I second Monday. And I organized. It's all there. Whoop. <laughs> this show literally would not happen if it wasn't for you. <laughs> In many more ways than just one. I, I don't know. I like. I still think this is one of the best things that I do. <laughs> not because anyone listens to it, but because it it's like structure and makes us watch movies and talk about them and hang out. Yeah. So this is why I tell everyone, if you want to do a podcast, just do it. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it's about. Yeah, like uh, <clears throat> it's very enjoyable. I agree. Let's do it again sometime. <laughs> In two weeks. So in two weeks, uh, it is Ricardo's pick on our long, winding, wonderful string of movies. I don't think we've had a dull in a while. Uh, what are you picking? I'm picking The Leopard, also known as Il Gatto Pardo. Italian is such a good language. Salendalon. It's been a while, my yes. sweet. <laughs> oh yeah, like um, well. I know that you. What's your favorite thing? Island. Island. <laughs> He's just so pretty. And it might be... Uh, uh, I, so I'm, uh, I might be doing the uh, Alain Delon season for the next <gasps> three picks. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Excellent. Well, until then, uh, I was Ornelas. And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>